Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and welcome to our latest podcast. This is going to be on state-of-the-art of 3D imaging. And actually, this talk is going to be more of a question than an answer, because you can see the second half of the title, Why Is It Not Routinely Clinical Practice in 2016? And I gave this talk at the NIH. It was part of some symposium Dave Blumke was running. And what I tried to do was ask a question rather than give an answer. So if you look at our experience over the last 35 years at Hopkins, we started literally doing 3D on uh, Siemens uh, scanners. They had DEC PDP-11, very old computers. We then went to the glory days of Pixar and then to Steve Jobs' next company called Next. We used Sun workstations as the Pixar's were being taken out of service. And then we moved to Silicon Graphics with the Onyx and then Infinite Reality uh, workstations as the key to what we did. Those costs went down as Silicon Graphics went to the O2 workstation. We went from workstations to specific boards, whether it was uh, the Volume Pro board or eventually the NVIDIA boards. And now we could do things on workstations with boards or do things literally on the iPhone and the iPro and any of the iPads with NVIDIA boards. So the things have gone from hundreds of thousands of dollars to thousands of dollars, while at the same time the speed has gone from doing a study of 60 slices in a day to doing a study of 6,000 slices in a couple seconds. It's amazing how the quality has changed. I like to show this case, circa 82. If you're very good, you know that's a pelvis with this plastic hips. To the first images done at Pixar, where volume rendering allowed them to see bone, soft tissue, and fat. And the importance of volume rendering, which changed everything in 3D imaging. Everything to that point was simply going to be um, black and white, okay? Now we're able to do surfaces, not just, uh, not just the surface itself, but also the depth. Object thickness and internal contours could be seen. Pixar evolved quickly into very good color mapping. Derek Nye developing the software that allowed us to look at things with soft tissue or muscle or be able to do the entire human body, scanning that patient in seven hours and reconstructing over three days. Now we can take that same data sets and we can look on an iPad at this vascular liver lesion or this runoff study or taking an animal. And we could go forward and this is a shingleback skink, a very nice animal, and this animal was sick. You can see that got a great history from uh, Kate Hatfield, who's in the uh, head of the aquarium, taking care of all the animals there. Of course, you can tell it wasn't a patient scan because look how good the history is. And look at all of her questions. And sure enough, we scanned it. And we did beautiful 3D renderings. Okay, very nicely shown. And you can see the detail. And then we used software from Macrobot to create a model. So the idea of creating a model, this 3D printing is something that has great interest. And the 3D printing is just one more thing on the spectrum of where we have been. Now, those images are incredible and the change over time is incredible. If you look back to when we started in the 80s, we spoke about volume rendering, overcoming the classic drawbacks of typical systems, that it was going to move things forward and move it quickly. 
By 91, we talked about how 3D imaging was a valuable tool for diagnostic and therapeutic display of digital information and predicted that over a few years, this was going to become standard fare, widespread diffusion in the medical community. Well, that didn't quite happen. And by 96, things were getting better with silicon graphics. And we said, we predict within a few years that 3D imaging will no longer be a specialized study on select patients, but will be for routine patients. Not exactly perfectly timed, 2012, kind of saying the same thing. Now, it's disappointing to me. I mentioned at this lecture that I had spoken in a number of different meetings, coast to coast, private practice radiologists. So when I asked the question, do they do 3D in practice, under 10% said they actually did. Now, it wasn't that they didn't believe it was helpful. It was the process, the reimbursement, the whole process involved in 3D was not something that was very worthwhile within this RVU per FTE environment. We know that the information you get from 3D imaging is far more than the axial imaging. And that wasn't unique to something we figured out. It was across all of science, this idea about scientific visualization with a deeper understanding of what's in the data that we knew and Gershom spoke about how the fact that we transformed information into a visual form, we understood a lot more. We can understand visual features which are hidden in the data, but nevertheless are needed for data exploration and analysis. Bottom line, we can do things better, we understand better, we can manage better, and we can be more accurate. When you look at something as you go from axial, Crohn's disease, very simple, thick and small bowel, yes, I recognize it. And if I simply go to the coronal, I have a better feel of the extent of involvement. I also appreciate a little bit more the uh, vascular changes. But if I go to MIP imaging, look how much better I see everything. Look at the vasorecta, increased vasorecta, the prominence. This is a patient with active Crohn's disease. And of course, MIP imaging is a projection technique, so you don't see the detail of the uh, bowel. You see the vessels very nicely. But look with volume rendering how much better you see things. So think about these images. That's from the same radiation dose. It's just simply how we look at the information. And that's why we say the 3D is so critical. Now, things get better as you go to dual energy because of the fact that there is a difference, for example, between the K edge of calcium and iodine because of the difference in atomic numbers. You could pull bone out very quickly. So one issue is always bone removal, which can be done quickly, and so you can get very nice vascular maps, even in the lower extremities. And bone we always could do this bone removal, but it often was time consuming. Some of the software packages weren't very good. And in some areas like the head, no matter what you did, it was impossible to do. But you can see with dual energy, you can get a really good look at the base of the skull. Now, it's interesting that organizations in looking at specific topics are beginning to say that 3D imaging is critical. Article published about a year ago, consensus statement of the SAR, Society of Abdominal Radiology, and American Pancreatic Association, making the point they were trying to figure out how you can have a standard language for reporting pancreatic cancer. And as they came up with the standardized imaging reported framework, 
What they also recognized that if you want to tell people how to read the study, you better tell people also how to do the study. And what they said was it became critical to have reformatted images and 3D reconstructions are necessary. It's essential that these patients undergo CTAs using a dedicated pancreatic protocol. And they found that factors limited to generate high quality images in 3D is a problem that you must have the 3D imaging. If you didn't do a good data acquisition, you did thick sections, you need to undergo a repeat study with biphasic CT and then with 3D imaging. So that, that indeed becomes very, very important. Now, when you look at the article, and I'm going to show you some screenshots from the publication, you can see what they did. There's the scan protocol, very clearly defined, including what contrast to use. There's a description of arterial involvement and what we see and how we describe it, and description of venous involvement. So things were in very much clear detail. Now, one of the things you recognize from this set of articles is that if you want to do cutting edge work, if you want to do the best work for your patient, you need 3D imaging. Now, the other thing I've always noticed as I read 3D, doing 3D made me read 2D better, but there's many things you just see in 3D that you miss in 2D. And when you look at articles like McCready and Oliver's article talking about misses, they talk about most misses of false negative errors. You just totally miss something, whether it's tumors or vascular lesions or implants, whatever it is you're missing, when you do 3D, you often will pick up those things you would miss. And so this article by Kim talking about the high error rate when there's positive findings would surely decrease or disappear or almost disappear, we're never going to be perfect, if you did things in the 3D world. Seeing things better means you will see things more accurately. It's indeed very important. And when we looked at errors, we commented before that certain errors happen over and over again. And a lot of these things we recognize because we did the 3D. Now, it's important to know that we do have a challenge. In this era of trying to do more with less, this article by Savlozinski makes the point that if you go faster, you're going to make more errors. That's no great surprise. And people are going faster because we have more work to do, we have less people. There's a million reasons. And what I'm saying to you is we need to find better ways of being more accurate. And I think in 3D, things can be more accurate. Now, what are the problems? Let's look at the limitations, the data sets. You need a good scanner. But scanners, everyone has 64 slides. It's better to have a dual source flash, but at least you have 64, you're in the ballpark. Computing power. Computers are getting faster and faster. I mentioned you can get software and do things on an iPad or an iPhone. Again, that problem is becoming less. Where the problems are is that the workstation design and interface are poor. Same thing from 20 years ago. What we need is Amazon, or you need Apple, or you need Google designing interfaces, not Siemens and GE and Philips and Toshiba, yada, yada, yada. Um, the workstations we get are underpowered, they're poor design, they're slow, crazy things like corner menus, 20-year-old interfaces, you can't customize, it just doesn't make any sense. 
look at Amazon and knows everything I do, everything I've ordered. If I ordered Eric Clapton album four years ago, it tells me about his new album or people who are like Eric Clapton. If I order chips, it reminds me I need more chips. Your workstation, your 3D system does remember you from 20 minutes ago. That's just not the way things are doing. And then, of course, we do have to, in a sense, blame ourselves. It's a challenge. You know, we have a lot of work to do. But the fact is, RVUs are king. People want to do less. Less is more. There's a poor understanding of the role of CT and 3D in patient management. The clinicians love it. Those are the people who are making the management decisions. They're the ones who are operating. And I think people forget about our role in clinical practice. We are a driver of imaging. We are a driver of quality and patient care. If you're only looking at doing what's fastest, you're going to have a tremendous problem and you're going to become a commodity. And commodities are not paid well and people thousands of miles away can take your job. Finally, as we look back, you really need to rethink the role of 3D in clinical practice because what you really can think perhaps is that 3D's role is to decrease error. Think about it. If we would decrease our error rate from 40% or 30% down to under 10%, it would be unbelievable. I think 3D, in my experience, provides that opportunity. I think also now with dual energy and different things, we have so many data sets, but we're looking at them one at a time. It's totally inefficient. You're not getting additive information and you're not using a lot of the information because it's too hard to use. We need a new paradigm of how the workstations are designed and how we can use the information. And again, this whole new paradigm thing, I kind of laugh a little bit. We talked about a new paradigm three decades ago and two decades ago and one decade ago, and perhaps we're getting closer. But I think really as we look at pushing radiology forward, as we look at making our value so much more important, this is really one of the areas where radiology can really push things forward. And with that, I thank you for attention and have a great day.